Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Today is Friday, June 5th. I just got off the phone with Governor David Ige. He and I talked about a whole variety of subjects, Mauna Kea, how to perhaps adjust our tourism economy, restoring travelers to the islands, a few other topics. Thanks for joining me for this Island Conversation. This will only be online as a podcast. It will not air over the radio. Let's hear what the governor has to say. Governor David Ige, aloha. Hi, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, but I'm not the one under all the pressure these days. How are you doing? Yeah, well, you know, it's been a tough time for everyone, and I, I really do appreciate everyone supporting the mandates and really working through this together. Well, it's definitely a tough time. And before we talk about some of our COVID-19 created situations, <laughs> I wanted to ask you just your thoughts about the national racial divide situation and what, if anything, you want our state to do more or differently than we have been doing. Well, you know, I, I am proud of our state. You know, there have been protests here in the islands, and I, I think that Law enforcement has uh, ensured that First Amendment rights um, were respected and people were able to voice um, their feelings, their support for taking action against the police officers involved. You know, and other other, uh, statements um, that I think were uh, important to our community and uh, it was important that they be allowed to be voiced. You know, and our law enforcement had monitored the situation, and uh, really we did not see uh, the confrontation that we see all across the country occur here in the island. And so I'm proud of our people, and I'm proud of the law enforcement for being respectful and uh, allowing both sides to really uh, do their job. Well, I can tell you here on Hawaii Island, Our protests in support of George Floyd have been really peaceful, and everybody's saying, thank goodness we live here and we don't live elsewhere, because it is a far better feeling here, I'd have to say. You know, and I I agree with you, Sherry, and, 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 you know, I've I've talked with police officers all across the state, and, you know, for a number of reasons, our police force ethnically do represent our community, and it's a, a wide mix of people, and you know, and they are from our community. You know, our um, police departments embrace community policing, um, like many others across the country. But you know, the officers here are engaged with our community, and um, and we don't have the many instances of abuse of uh, lawbreakers and other kinds of things that we see all across the country. So, you know, I think for everyone in our community, I think we can be proud of, of our Hawaii. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's knock on wood that it stays that way and we don't get any outside agitators. 
one other thing, Governor, before we talk about our COVID situation, here on Hawaii Island, as you very well know, we have a situation on Mauna Kea, and 30-meter telescope has stated they will not attempt to go up until they are assured of safe and clear access. But right now, and it's been going on, it's never stopped, there are still encampments around the access road, and... What report can you give us on where things stand and how you see our island being able to move forward? Because it's a really sad thing for our island to have this continuing to go on for a lot of reasons. You know, certainly I've uh, been in discussion with uh, uh, TMT people and the um, members of the board and clearly waiting their determination about how they would like to proceed with the project. Um, you know, we obviously have been uh, dealing with other issues in the more recent months. But, you know, I continue to advocate. I did on my trip to Washington, D.C. back in February, I did meet with uh, National Science Foundation and ARA, the Association of Universities in Research in Astronomy, uh, to talk about the project and get insights about their views. I did advocate with the National Science Foundation for funding support for the project, you know, and we continue to move forward. As you know, Department of Land and Natural Resources has uh, taken the responsibility for update of the comprehensive master plan for Mauna Kea. Uh, I know that there were criticisms of the university, and we thought that it would provide more independent assessment. Uh, and we are looking at uh, alternative uh, governance models for uh, Mauna Kea as part of uh, our update on the comprehensive master plan. So, you know, we continue to move uh, the project forward uh, as it has completed all the legal requirements. You know, we continue to work with the TMT project managers, and we did ask for a commitment from the project to the TMT site, as you know, they were examining secondary sites, and I've made it personally very clear that that we need to know. We really need to understand uh, where the 30-meter telescope will, will be built, and my understanding is that the um, members of the TMT project is making that determination. What about the people who are protesting, who are still living up there? There's it really doesn't look very nice up there these days. There's still a couple of abandoned cars. But more than that, is there communication with the people who are protesting? And is there a way to move forward, do you think? Well, you know, we continue to be uh, open to communication, but we haven't really gotten uh, much in terms of communications from the protesters. You know, obviously, we have been providing them updates on the emergency situation in COVID and certainly have suggested that they leave, uh, and they did. You know, we are looking at the structures, the illegal structures that uh, remain at uh, the intersection of the Access Road and Daniel Kano Highway and, you know, certainly determining what's the best way to proceed in removing the illegal structures. Cool. You know, astronomy is one of those industries that is not related to tourism. And the COVID situation has certainly clarified once again how dependent we completely are. The whole state, this island, everybody dependent on tourism. 
how are we going to get to a point where we're not so dependent on tourism? Because I'd say this didn't tell us anything new when COVID-19 shut everything down, but it certainly highlighted the situation. What are your thoughts about still being able to diversify our economy in some way? You know, I think the really bright spot in this COVID pandemic, Sherry, is how quickly our community uh, all across the state embraced technology and technology tools. You know, Sherry, I've long been an advocate for technology and, you know, paperless effort at the Senate and utilizing video conferencing for legislative hearings. And, you know, suddenly in this pandemic, everyone embraced it. And, you know, there's been more use of video conferencing, whether it be Zoom or WebEx. Our Department of Education has embraced uh, distance learning, training all the teachers, uh, looking at what infrastructure is required so that we can accelerate distance learning. So I really do see, and I'm real optimistic moving forward, because it truly has demonstrated that Hawaii's geographic isolation is not the barrier to uh, business uh, development and business success that it used to be, uh, and that um, businesses in Hawaii can thrive because of the technology tools that really has made the world smaller and really given any business and any entrepreneur with a, a great idea the opportunity to start a business and uh, be successful in Hawaii and be able to sell their products all around the world, you know. So I am optimistic about the future. I think this pandemic has really demonstrated that people in Hawaii can adapt and break. And I think most importantly, you know, the geographic isolation of Hawaii is not the barrier that it used to be. Well, it's certainly not. And I kind of wonder, are you also saying that people could then get jobs with companies on the mainland but continue to live and work here? Absolutely. You know, Sherry, my son Matthew works for Microsoft, and um, I've been thinking about and trying to figure out how really to get him home. And he's been working from home for Microsoft since January 1st. Uh, And he was just informed that he can continue to work from home through October and that the company would update him later on about the status. So clearly, he is living in Lake Union in Seattle, but he could be home and working for Microsoft, and there would have been no impediment to him doing that. So, you know, I am definitely more excited about the possibility. You know, I think uh, virtually every company on the globe has embraced telework much, much more aggressively than in any other time in our history. And it really does show that, you know, your employees don't have to live in the community where your headquarters might be, that in today's world, you could have anyone working virtually anywhere in many, many businesses and be successful. Well, you know, if businesses are willing to allow this kind of telework arrangement, it certainly could ease the traffic on Oahu, which is so far worse than almost any place else. Absolutely, you know, Sherry, and I did hear that from many members in our community. There's a couple things that we just thought were impossible to deal with, and, you know, this pandemic has really demonstrated that it is possible. Uh, yeah, traffic uh, clearly went away during this 
period of time, obviously the stay-at-home order meant that fewer people were going into work. But even as we've come out of it, you know, the whole notion of telework and working from home uh, with a number of companies embracing that, you know, we saw with the university going to online virtual classes, the traffic between uh, Manoa and West Oahu went virtually to zero. Uh, and so we do see the potential of these kinds of changes and embracing of technology really could improve the traffic situation here on Oahu. Even here on the Big Island, I've been enjoying way less traffic than usual, although I know it's coming back. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm your host, Sherry Bracken. Island Conversations typically appears on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on Sundays on KWXX and B97B93, and the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. Island Conversations always appears as a podcast wherever you get podcasts and also at kwxx.com and at b97hawaii.com. Today's discussion with Governor David Ige is not going to be airing on the radio, will only appear as a podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get back to Governor Ige, let's hear a word from our great sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now back to the conclusion of our discussion with Hawaii Governor David Ige, who was speaking to us from his office in Honolulu. Governor, tourism still really is our big industry, and that's not going to change markedly, I know, right overnight. But for years, there's been talk about readjusting tourism to still provide a good experience for tourists, but still not shut out local people from enjoying where we live and not stress the islands more than they already are being stressed. And as Ross Birch, who's with the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau, has pointed out, this seems like a perfect time to sort of readjust. So what are your thoughts about what should we be doing as we reopen tourism? Are there changes we should be making? Are there other ways to look at tourism so it works out to be less stressful and contentious? Yeah, certainly, Sherry. And I think it's just a couple things as we look at reopening the visitor industry. You know, I am challenging everyone in the visitor industry to reinvent themselves in this post-COVID-19 era. We need to learn to live with infectious diseases And I think everybody uh, in the hospitality industry has to be part of that solution. So for hotels, for example, it's uh, on a couple fronts. You know, one, they do need to help us educate the visitor about what uh, a responsible and respectful visitor means. And, you know, we did focus in the past about respecting our whole culture and being respectful of our environment. We need to expand that a little to include respectful of the health of our community and the health of other visitors. So, you know, I think it's about encouraging our hotel industry to change and expand to do that. We also need to um, 
expand the whole notion of public health and uh, the hotels and attractions, tour companies uh, all need to be connected to our public health system. You know, we have to uh, make sure that um, they understand uh, they need to um, take responsibility for monitoring the, the health of the, the guests that come here, uh, connecting with the Department of Health so we can be informed and provide assistance if necessary, but most importantly, allow us to keep our community safe and healthy. And uh, if someone does arrive here who's infected with the virus, that we can isolate them so that they don't infect others in our community. You know, and, and that whole notion really needs to be expanded across all of the different sectors in the hospitality industry. The other part of it is, and I, I know that the hotels are working on it, you know, updating sanitation and cleaning practices, ensuring that we can keep our employees safe, you know, the systems and practices that's necessary so that those of us in our community that work in the hotels uh, can be protected from getting uh, infected uh, from visitors. Um, you know, so uh, the entire system needs to make that adjustment, and I think that we can uh, exit uh, much, much stronger uh, out of this um, pandemic. I talked to the Hilo Hawaiian Hotel yesterday, and wow, the procedures are pretty impressive. I would feel comfortable if I worked there and comfortable to stay there. So you're right, they're implementing what they need to. But, you know, there's been a talk about the fact that we have had too many tourists. Is there, literally speaking, a way, any way at all to limit tourists to, now right now we need to get some tourists because we have pretty much zero, but... Is there thought about it being even possible to limit the number of tourists here? Because that seems to be part of the discussion, yet I'm not clear how and if it can be done. Well, I mean, I think it is a couple of things, Sherry, and one clearly. So as part of this reopening, we're trying to look at how do we balance risk of reopening and the public health risk that represents and balancing against economic and social impact obviously that this shutdown is having on our communities and you know one of the concepts that we are looking at really is to reopen the visitor industry in phases looking at creating safe travel corridors to communities that have similar experience with the virus as kind of the first starting point. So on the international side, you know, we're looking at Japan and Korea. And, you know, if you look at the global virus activity, you know, in the United States, a few days ago, we had 15,000 or 16,000 new cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. Obviously, the United States is still one of the hotbeds of the virus. And when you look at Japan, they had a total, the entire country had a total of 33 new virus cases. And Korea had a total of 35. Uh, So uh, the notion is to really focus on safe travel corridors to those international destinations that have similar virus activity as Hawaii so that they could come here without implementing a quarantine and we wouldn't be increasing the risk to our community of, of further infection. So internationally, we're focused on Japan and Korea, New Zealand and Australia as the closest neighbors that we see uh, have done a good job of containing the virus. 
Um, on the U.S. domestic side, it's a bigger challenge just because every state is in a different uh, state in dealing with the COVID virus. Uh, you know, and as I said, there are 15,000 or more than 15,000 new cases, you know, and California is really surging uh, in terms of uh, cases, and they're one of the most important sources of travelers to the island. So we are really monitoring that and thinking about, you know, can we identify those states with similar virus activity to Hawaii and, and reopen those states as a first pass? Clearly, Alaska, Oregon, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Yeah, obviously, I know that they're not hotbeds of travelers here, but clearly those states have similar virus activity to what we see here in Hawaii. Yeah, I was noticing that. I was impressed with Oregon. Final question, Governor Ige, because I know your time is limited. You are reopening inner island travel on June 16th. What's going to tell you that it's time to open up some of those mainland or international destinations? You know, we are working really hard to uh, open the, the international destinations. Like I said, you know, we see similar virus activity to the state of Hawaii. You know, and our challenge is that, uh, you know, we're part of the United States of America, and unfortunately travel between all of those destinations have really been shut down. Uh, or they require a 14-day mandatory quarantine. Um, so, you know, we are looking at uh, reopening those corridors as quickly as we can. You know, it does get complicated because they're foreign countries and we, we have to establish working agreements to make that happen. You know, on the domestic side, Sherry, I think that that's the toughest concern just because the virus activity, especially on the West Coast, is still pretty active. You know, Oregon has it under control. Washington State is seeing a second spike, you know, and California is raging. I, I don't even know if they've, they've uh, hit their uh, peak yet. Uh, and so we continue to monitor that. Uh, monitor that. Um, and so we are looking at opportunities for creating different kinds of procedures that would allow us for example, maybe uh, testing everyone before they get on a flight, you know, within 72 hours of departure and then having them here and, and doing a much shorter quarantine or some other procedure that would allow us to feel like we're not increasing the health risk to our community. Or, you know, there's been proposals about testing uh, everyone once they arrive in the island and you know, the, the current testing technology challenges that. But, you know, if, a, let's say, a resort would be willing to do that and can make the investments in getting the test done, that might be another option that would allow us to waive or drop the quarantine and allow us to bring back visitors uh, to our island. Well, that certainly would be an incentive for the traveler. Take a test have a shorter or no quarantine. No-brainer. It's not that hard to do. Governor David Ige, I know how busy you are. I thank you for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I just really wanted to close, Sherry, by thanking the people of Hawaii Island. I do appreciate their support. You know, we've only been able to achieve the health outcomes that we have because everyone in the state has taken personal responsibility, you know, stayed at home when they're sick, washed their hands, uh, 
implemented the physical distancing that we asked for. And so uh, I just want to thank them for our success in being the state that has best dealt with COVID-19. And it really inspires me to know that we will find a way forward together that our community can get back on its feet in a safe and helpful way. And most importantly, we can get people back to work because um, we all need to be able to earn a living here in Hawaii. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Governor David Ige. Aloha. Aloha. That was Governor David Ige on Friday afternoon, June 5th. I'm Sherry Bracken. This is Island Conversations. After the conversation, Governor David Ige said he does hope to get back here to the Big Island soon. Until the next Island Conversation, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahui ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.